The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Start your engines with Rod and Cody and get ready to gamble on the Daytona 500 this Sunday. Hi, to Jen Reynolds, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 296. Going to go out to someone else who gave us a review recently, the one TC87. Thank you for a review. It's a little too heavy on the praise for Gumby. It's almost like he knows Gumby somehow, <laughs> but he does say it's his go-to listen before any MMA event. I don't really know if he does listen, though. I, I may have to find that out. But anyhow, thank you, the one TC. Um, and thank you, everyone else, for listening to the podcast. Um, we are back with another amazing episode. We're going to be covering the main card of this Saturday's UFC Fight Night. We did the exciting prelims last episode, so make sure you check that out as well. Um, but this episode is all about the five-fight main card and our locks, dogs, parlays, props, all that fun stuff. But I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to bring in the one and only Daniel Gumby Vreeland to share in the excitement. Hello. Hey, uh, I'm pretty sure he listens to about, I'm going to say 5% of the stuff that I record, hmm. um, which is, you know, m- maybe a smattering of like, you know, when I got a big interview on Top Turtle, he'll tune in, you know, there's a big card for this show. Yeah, one of these. He occasionally watches the YouTube videos when I show up on uh, VEASAN's first take, which I've, I've been doing quite a bit lately. So like, you never yeah. tell us about that. You, I mean, you gotta get I, you gotta get better at self promotion. I'm pretty sure I'm on every week now. Like they just, I, like I think I've been on the last 15 of them. So uh, and they come out on Tuesdays now. So uh, well, how are we supposed to know that Gumby? We I, do I, now I mean, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're a uh, you know a Gumby fanatic, I Gumby I, head. I think I usually retweet the link. You can follow me on Twitter at Gumby Freeland. Do that. Okay. Yeah, all, all you Gumby marks out there. Um, he, he's he's a shy guy. He doesn't want us to know. But are you doing these shows at? insane uh, hours of the day or oh no no, no. I, I i pretty much stopped doing they, when they were having me do the live shows man dude those were <laughs> they were brutal because they're on yeah. vegas time and i'm on east coast time and so yeah. they i think they were airing in vegas at like 11 30 at night uh which means it's it's airing here at like 2 30 uh which is not a time that i could be recording stuff so no uh First take is their their UFC themed show only. So I don't come in as the UFC expert. I come in as in one of the many people to talk about UFC, and they they're all pre recorded. I think you are the UFC expert though, Gumby. Thank thank you. R- regardless of who's on, you are the you, maybe Laura Sanko could uh, could give you a run for your money, but I don't know. I, I think you may even know more than, than she does. So um, the one TC thinks you do at least at the very least, right? He, he seems to, yeah, yeah. He seems so he, like he's definitely not hearing us speaking about him here. That's for, for sure. The episode uh, dedicated to him, he will not listen to. Him. I mean, if I, if he's listening to five percent of what I record and he chooses <laughs> the UFC Vegas '69 main card, that's <laughs> a pretty, that's a pretty. Oh, uh, there you go. There, there, there you are. Uh, yeah, no, that'd be a pretty weird choice on his part. This, uh, yeah, these episodes are for the hardcores, but luckily we have hundreds of hardcores 
um, most of them in our Discord. Get in the Discord if you aren't in already. Okay. Um, let's just get this over with, people. It's like pulling off a Band-Aid. We'll just get it over uh, quick and, and easy, hopefully. We're, I'm going to tell you about WinBet before we dive into this. WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBet's Build Your Own Bet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot probably of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at WinBet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And uh, if you want to win free stuff from us, make sure go back to the last episode. Gumby told you about our verdict MMA uh, tournament that we run. And he told you about our props contest that is on right now. So if you don't know about it, go back an episode. All right. Because we're not going through it again here because we have a big, exciting main card to break down. UFC fight night. Andrage versus Blanchfield. Take out, subtract Talia Santos. Add in former champ Jessica Andrage. And that is our new main event here. A women's flyweight fight is going down from the UFC Apex Saturday night, ESPN Plus, 7 p.m. So at least it won't be a late night for us people on the on the East Coast. So we'll uh, we'll give that that part of the uh, of this fight card a thumbs up. All right, we're gonna start, I'll give you this this one a thumbs up too. Jim Miller's on the fight card, and we're gonna talk about him right now. Lightweights, Jim Miller versus Alexander Hernandez. Um, I'm gonna tell you about the old dog first. Miller A10 is the nickname, not the old dog. He's 35 and 16 with one no contest, six knockouts, 19 submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted three times. So he's been stopped five times in 52 fights. Pretty impressive there. 24, 15 and one with one no contest in the UFC. He's won three straight fights, all via finish. He's used to fight at welterweight. The last fight was at welterweight. Multiple regional championships on his. Mantle. 2008 UFC debut. 2005 pro MMA debut. Striking stats. Better than Hernandez. He's been outstruck barely over his UFC career, minus 0.14 strikes per minute. He's at plus 190. The great ape, Alexander Hernandez, 13 to six, six knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted once, five and five in the UFC. He's lost two straight. He's won one of his last four. He's been finished in his last two fights. He's taking this on short notice. Used to fight at featherweight, was a regional champion, 2012 pro MMA debut. He's an inch taller, an inch of reach on Miller, nine years younger. He's one and a half times more active landing strikes. He's been outstruck as well over actually worse than Miller. He's been outstruck by 0.45 strikes per minute over his UFC career, minus 235. All right. I'm starting things off with a big dog. Give me my boy, Jim Miller. He, he might be turning 40 this year, and this is fight 53, but he's finished three straight people. Um, one of them was Donald Cerrone, so uh, that's not a big deal, but like he's been finishing younger people as well. Alexander Hernandez, mediocre, not that good. He's not a great ape for sure. Um, I think I'm going to pick Jim Miller, and I think he's a very worthy dog, especially I'm getting him at plus 190. So give me Jim Miller. I'm with you on this one. I'm going to take Jim Miller as well. Yes. Um, and, and for multiple reasons, uh, if you you take the last three and a half years of Alexander Hernandez's fights, uh, the last the last three and a half years of Alexander Hernandez's fights, do you know how many times he's won a fight outside of the first round? How many? He has not. He has All not right. in the last three and a half years won a fight 
uh, that that's made it out of the first round. And it's because he, he's got particularly bad cardio. Uh, anytime he gets out of the first round, there's very little left. And the thing about Jim Miller, you, you could say what you want about this guy getting old and this guy not being what he used to be, but he's out there finishing dudes all the time. And he's got three straight second round finishes. Um, he, he's knocked out Eric Gonzalez and Nicholas Moda and uh, submitted Donald Cerrone. And all of that happened in the second round all in the last two years. So like, He's a guy who's, first of all, durable because in that Nicholas Moda fight, he took some punches in that first round that were particularly stiff. And like you might have to worry about him a little bit early in this fight, but like he's durable. And at the end of the day, as long as he's durable and he comes forward with that Jim Miller attitude in rounds two and three, I I think he's going to finish Alexander Hernandez late here. I I think Hernandez is getting choked out. Yeah, I've I've seen no reason to not pick Jim Miller basically at this point. Like he hasn't really shown a decline. He's actually shown he's got old man power. He's uh he's finishing people now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's the other thing too, is like it's not just that I think he can be crafty and get the takedown and and tire out Alexander Hernandez. I think he can knock him out in the second round too. Yeah, Hernandez he was he was supposed to be good at one point, right? I think he was like they had him pretty built up when he went to go fight uh cowboy Cerrone in New York city. Yeah. Um, and then Cerrone, was it New York city or was it in, in Jersey? It was one of the ones I was live at. Uh, cause I remember being there. I think it was the first ever UFC fight on ESPN. Uh, the one that was headlined by Cejudo versus Dillashaw and, yeah. uh, Donald Cerrone knocked him out, uh, and just like put it on him. And I think after that, Everybody has kind of just seen what he is. And it's a guy who, I mean, he did it in that fight too. He he was competitive with Cerrone early. He was getting in his face. He was throwing tons of punches and it came out in the second round and it just, it wasn't there anymore. Uh, And Cerrone just took it to him and and put him away. So yeah, I I like, uh, I like Jim Miller a lot here. All right. We're going in on a big dog to start things off. Let's move up way up light heavyweight. Trey William Knight versus Marston Proch Neo. I'm going to tell you about um, Prochnio first. 15 and 6, 11 knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out four times. Two and four in the UFC. He's went, however, he's gone two and one over his last three. However, again, he did win his last, he did lose, excuse me, his last fight. He's fought at middleweight. He went four and oh in one championship. So obviously he's amazing. Was a regional champion as well. 2013 MMA professional debut. Five inches taller than Knight, an inch reach on him. Twice more active landing strikes. He has outstruck his UFC opponents by 1.69 strikes per minute. Minus 105 on Procneo. Night, nightmare night, 11-4 with nine knockouts. He's been knocked out twice. Three and three in the UFC. He's lost two straight, last one via TKO. Used to fight at heavyweight. He went 2-0 and in the contender series, was regional champion. He's been outstruck barely over contender series and UFC fights by minus 0.04 strikes per minute. His grappling stats are better than Procneo. Minus 115. Uh, my turn? It's your turn for an amazing light heavyweight fight. I'm going to take Thick Willie here, Um, and I'm going to take him – I'm not going to say confidently, but there's things about William Knight's game that give me confidence here against Procneo. And the the main one is is the way that Procneo looked against Felipe Linz, which, by the way, how weird is this? Felipe Linz beats the hell out of him, and and we see Procneo up here on the main card. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, the, the the card placement is weird. I, I'm not one to complain about card placement, but that one's, you know, objectively weird. But the thing about William Knight is, is like, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you could probably knock him out. I mean, Devin Clark is the only one who did with a pretty weird knockout, unless you want to go way, way back to his regional scene. But, like, he's tough in there. He's a strong grappler. He's the type of guy who can, like, put you on your ass. And Procneo got put on his ass a lot by Felipe Lin. So I, I think Knight has that ability. Also, you know, the only time Knight has been knocked out in the UFC, it was up at heavyweight. If you see him now, if you've seen a picture of him, you know, either on Instagram or whatever, as of late, he's in much better shape. He has like gotten back to 205 in the right way. The dude looks ripped. So I think he's just going to outwork Procneo um, and stay out of trouble with the the hands. But like, uh, again, yeah, this is a, a kind of a crapshoot at 205. I'll take Procneo. Like you said, it is a crapshoot. Um I think he's a better, he's a much better striker from distance than um, Knight, much bigger than him, even though reach wise, he's not that bigger than him. And maybe he has had knockout power in the past, like 11 knockouts among 15 wins. It has been a little while since he's knocked people out, but um, yeah, I, I think if this turns into a striking battle, which it probably will, I think I like Procneo a little bit more than Knight, but who's to say it's a friggin' light heavyweight fight. So who knows? Yeah, he once got knocked out by Sam Alvey. Did you know that? Who? <laughs> Procneo. Really? Well, let's see. There you go. It's a light heavyweight fight. So yeah, that was uh, with the exception of a split decision win over Jean Volante. That was uh, Sam Alvey's last win. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Shall we to. Oh, good. Heavyweight fight. This will be way better. Josh Preezing versus Jamal Pogues. Um, all right. <laughs> I guess I'll have to break it down for you. Preezy in 15 and 5, 11 knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted once. Two and two in the UFC. He's got a loss, win, loss, win. He won his last fight via TKO. Two and all in the contender series. All and one in the Ultimate Fighter. Was a regional champion. Based on the last weigh-ins, he was 17 pounds heavier than Pogues. He is an inch taller. Got two inches of reach. He's more active landing strikes. He's been outstruck, however, over his UFC and contender series career by 0.14 strikes per minute. He's at plus 195. Jamal the Storm, Tripper Pogues, 9-3, four knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice, so he's been finishing all his losses. This is his UFC debut. He went 2-0 in the Contender Series. He's won two straight fights and five of six. 0-1 in Bellator. Was a regional champion. Used to fight at light heavyweight. Six years younger than Parisian. He's been outstruck as well. Almost the exact same number as Parisian. Minus 0.17. Scrapping stats are better than Parisian. Minus 245. Another fight where, ugh, I got to pick someone here. Give me Pogues, even though he did not really impress that much on Contender Series, but uh, I think he's better than Parisian. So um, give me, and he's, he's younger at the very least. So give me Pogues. I, I actually was pretty impressed with him on Contender Series because he came in as a heavyweight after being away uh, from fighting for a little while. And he still looked fast. Like he he's exceptionally fast for a heavyweight because he's, he used to be a light heavyweight. He was for a while. And similar to, to William Knight, um, while he's not going back down to light heavyweight yet, it's very clear that like he's working with the Performance Institute to be a actual heavyweight to like, you know, get himself in shape and put on some muscle mass and still have probably a huge speed advantage over Josh Parisian here because like that's the biggest thing. Like Parisian probably needs to grapple to do this And Pogues is like not bad on the mat and he's not bad at getting his own takedowns for that matter. So I think Parisian is just going to be so, so much slower than Pogues here. Pogues is going to wreck him on the feet. Um, I, I actually don't think the line is too bad here on Pogues. I, I think this is uh 
this this is probably the type of guy you would throw in a parlay if you're not real comfortable with like a negative 245. All right. So we're going to fire Parisian on uh, on Sunday then probably. Yeah, I mean, he he would be two and three uh, and his wins would be over Roque Martinez and Alan yep. Bado. Yep. It's not the prettiest of resumes, um, but there's definitely more fireable people on this card. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is true, but um, yeah, he, he'll probably get a co-headliner slot next next fight, win or lose. So, uh, speaking of co-headliners, Dan, here we go. Now the fun part starts. Light heavyweights: Jordan Wright versus Zach Pauga or Paunga, actually. Um, Wright is, as my light turns off, he is the Beverly Hills Ninja. Did you know that, Dan? I did. Yeah, I'd heard it yeah. once or twice before. Really? Yeah, because he's been around a long time for some reason. He's still around, Dan. <laughs> for, for some reason. <laughs> good he's good point. Still, he's, he's, he's still around. He's still here. Um, he, he's 12-4 <laughs> with one no contest. He has got seven knockouts, five submissions, so he's finished everyone, and he's been finishing all his losses. He, he's been knocked out three times, submitted one time, and there's no contest. He's finishing that fight as well. Um Two and four in the UFC. He's lost two straight fights, all via finish. And yet here he is again. We have to watch him fight again. Um, he got a no contest on the contender series because his opponent popped for weed, but he got KTFO before that. He got knocked down that fight. He's fight at middleweight. Interreach on Paunga, three years younger. He's been outstruck over his UFC and contender series career by 1.87 strikes per minute. Not good. His grappling stats are better than Paunga's, plus 230. Paunga's only fought once in the UFC though. He's the ripper. Five and one with one uh one knockout. One he's been knocked out himself once. That was his last fight. The ultimate fighter finale got knocked out at heavyweight by Mohammed Usman, the amazing fighter that he is. He went uh Pounga went two 0 on the ultimate fighter. Like I said, he was fighting at heavyweight na- then he's back down to his more natural light heavyweight. His striking stats are better than rights. He outstruck Usman for before getting caught by three point five seven strikes per minute, minus two ninety. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, this is clearly a Zach Pounga pick here. Uh, I, I think uh, I think Pounga still is better than Mohamed Usman. Um, yep. I, I really do. Uh, I, I think he got unlucky and got clipped there. I'm so happy it brought him back to light heavyweight, though. Like, if he won the heavyweight Ultimate Fighter, there's a chance he just stays at heavyweight because that's what the UFC wants, and it's really not where he belongs. And actually, uh, I, I talked with him this week. He's on the Top Turtle MMA podcast. We actually talked about how happy he is to be moving to light heavyweight because he has an entirely different style than what he showed on the ultimate fighter on the ultimate fighter. You know, he was that, like, I have to be fast boxer because I have to stay away from people. But anybody who's seen him on the regional scene and anybody who's seen him at light heavyweight knows he kind of brings a little bit of that Curtis blade style. Like he, he trains with Curtis blades and he, he kind of has a, a little bit of that similar thing. He grinds people against the cage. He's got good takedowns. He, he can wear you out and drag you into deep waters. And, and he's vicious with the grounding pound. So, like, first of all, I, I think he's 80 times better than than Jordan Wright, even if we take all of that kind of stuff away. Then when you add in that, like, this is a guy who takes all of your space away and beats the hell out of you. Like, that's a nightmare for Jordan Wright, a guy who is getting knocked out and getting controlled by middleweights. Now you're going to give him a dude who is going toe-to-toe with heavyweights and doing a damn good job of it in the first place, and he's going to smother you? Like, dude, there's this is such an easy pick for Pounga. Give me Pounga. This is one you can also put in parlays. 
That's a lot of dudes. So Gumby's very sure of this one. You threw a lot of dudes in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously Panga is my pick. He's just a better fighter. Maybe he'll actually get a finish finally. He's not a guy that finishes people very often, but Jordan Wright likes to get finished, doesn't he? He he seems to, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, can you explain why, for, for new listeners, why do you hate um, Jordan Wright so much? What has he ever done to you, Dan? Uh, I, I think my hatred for Jordan Wright sparked up when uh, when in his, his debut, uh, you took him very enthusiastically, <laughs> um, being like, he just, he's a knockout machine. He's never lost. And I was like, no, first of all, he has lost. Anthony Hernandez knocked him out in 40 seconds and just happened to smoke weed a little bit before then. So like, no, he has lost. Secondly, he's knocking out chumps, uh, like actual chump. Like he had a he had a four fight run where the combined record of his opponents was oh in thirty six uh, was his his four fight run. And yes, he got all first round. So like you had cited that he was just like a, an incredible finisher and all so great and stuff like that. And uh I, you know, it, that pissed me off. I was like, you, you can't just take a record like that and say he's good. And then, of course, your pick won anyway. Uh, yep. I had Ike Villanueva. But, of course, it didn't win based on him knocking somebody out. It won based on a TKO stoppage due to a cut that I think, like, as long as Ike Villanueva survived, he probably would have knocked out Jordan right after that. Um, and then, thank God, Joaquin Buckley stepped up and just, like, you know, punched him into oblivion. Um, and now we've gotten, you know, some good knockouts from uh, from Bruno Silva and Dusko Todorovic and hopefully now Zach Ponga. So this is uh, that turned into just crapping all over me instead of him, which is great. Um, well, I mean, so I, I think you incited my anger. For him. <laughs> there's so a lot of I, I want to give you credit for the Beverly Hills uh, anger. There's a lot of buried resentment in that Gumby and it all came out right there. Um, <laughs> that's fine. I will take it because um, I'm better at picking fights. <laughs> it's all, I, I, the best part of that was uh, I, I won, actually, after uh, I won that pick after all that stuff. <laughs> made, I made you mad. Plus, I won the pick. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. that's where the most of the anger came from, I think. All right. Here goes the only fight worth breaking down. Boy and boy, this is a difficult one to break down. We, we could have done the whole episode on this one. It's the main event. Women's flyweight. Jessica Andrade versus Aaron Blanchfield. Let's jump into her. Blanchfield, Aaron, cold-blooded Blanchfield. 10 and 1, two knockouts, three submissions, never been finished in a fight. Four and only UFC, two straight fights via submission. She's won seven straight fights. She's not lost since February of 2019. She went four and one in Invicta. She's a BJJ champion, three, three inches taller than Andrade, four inches reach, eight years younger. Her striking and grappling stats are better than Andrade's. She's outstruck her UFC opponents by 3.34 strikes per minute, plus 135. Beta Estasa, Estaca or no, Esteca means what? Beta Esteca. Pile driver. Yes. Perfect nickname for Jessica Andrade. 24 and 9, 9 knockouts, 8 submissions. Uh, but knocked out four times, submitted twice. 15 and 7 in the UFC. Used to be the strawweight champion. Somehow she was a strawweight. She used to fight up at Bantamweight as well. Three. She won three straights for fights in four of five. She's taking this on very short notice. How We're talking, what, a week? Less than a week? It's right around a week. They announced yeah. it on the broadcast on Saturday. So I assume she knew earlier than that. Okay. Short notice fighters. Let's go to my stat. I liked it. This one actually pays off quite good. Short notice fighters, 37% um, win rate. And that's over, this is a big sample size, 210 fights. So this is not a, a fluky little stat. This year they're winning 67%, but that's over six fights. So, um, all right. 
So she's got that going against her. Uh, 2011 was her pro MMA debut. She's more active landing strikes than Blanchfield. Plus, she's outstruck her UFC opponents by about a strike and a half a minute, 1.54 minus 160. All right, I don't know if I'm going with my head or my heart. Actually, uh, I don't know if I'm going with my head and my heart. I'll go with my heart and take Aaron Blanchfield here. I think she's worthy of a, a dog pick here. I can also, on the other hand, I can also see her picking up her prospect loss here, even though she has lost a fight before. But this is a big step up in competition for her. Uh, Jessica Andrade is a monster of a fighter. Um, on the other hand, she's taking this in very short notice. She's a very big a uh, big fighter, so who knows how much weight she's gonna have to cut short notice here. Um, Blanchfield is just she's never, but while she's never fought someone as good as Andrade, Andrade has never fought someone as good of a grappler as Blanchfield is, more than likely. And when you do dive into the stats, Blanchfield, at least over her UFC career, better striking a distance than Andrade is. Obviously, she does not have the striking power that Andrade has, but she uh, she's good at landing strikes and, and avoiding uh, being hit, so she's gonna need that this fight. So Tough one to pick, but uh, I think Blanche was worth worthy of the dog pick here. So give me the plus, what, 135. Yeah, I, I think you hit so many of, like, the interesting parts of this fight that make it so hard to pick. Is like, it, it, it's really hard to understand whether or not this short notice really affects Jessica Andrade because she is usually so big. But also yeah. she's been talking about going back to straw weight. So was, like, she in the process of dieting herself back down to straw weight? And in which case, it won't be a big cut. But then at the same token, you have to imagine she's probably only got at the most 10 days notice for this fight. And like, what does that do for her preparation? And then on top of that, too, like, you know, you mentioned, has she fought somebody as good at grappling as uh, Aaron Blanchfield? And, and the answer is, I mean, like maybe Valentina Shevchenko, who took her down at will. Right. Mm-hmm. Valentina Shevchenko got seven takedowns in that fight. I also went back and I watched her fight with Tisha Torres because Tisha Torres also went two a two taking her down, um, which was kind of surprising for me. I don't typically think of Tisha Torres as a takedown artist, but here's what I gathered from all of the fights where I watched people take down Jessica Andrade is the people who are successful because those two are successful. Lauren Murphy, not at all. The people who are successful are the people who are using their strikes to set up takedowns. I think where Lauren Murphy kind of faltered against uh, Jessica Andrade and trying to get her to the ground is that like, she was like, I can strike with her. I can hang with her. And then when that went bad, she was like, this is bad. I have to shoot a takedown. And it wasn't set up properly. It wasn't part of the game plan. And and you could tell it, it looked like it wasn't part of the game plan or it looked like she was only doing it out of desperation. And I think as long as is, She's going in with that game plan of what she can do to get in on the legs early and get that control and get that submission. I think she's going to have a good chance. I also think this being a five round fight might favor her because it's yep. going to be a grueling fight. Um, I mean, obviously, like if Andrade wins, like the knock early knockout is always like the way that you probably pick her anyway. But, like, the longer this fight goes, the more it should favor Blanchfield as long as, especially with a short camp for for Andrade. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you in what you said a second ago. I don't know if I'm picking this one entirely with my heart or uh, at least somewhat with my brains, but I, I do think she's going to pull this off. Gummy felt bad about being so mean to me last last fight. That he, just, <laughs> he, he told me all the great points I have here, so... Yeah, Butter, hopefully, buttering you up now. <laughs> yeah. This is like this is fast tracking her too. Uh, they weren't. Well, I guess Talia Santos. He was fighting Talia Santos. I think yeah. that was the number one contender fight. Yeah, yeah. So this one definitely is. If she yeah. wins this fight, she is 
being thrown. I guess she's being thrown to the wolves as it is. So, um, all right, we are both going on Blanchfield. So that's an underdog pick. Both got Blanchfield. We both have Ponga. Both have Pogues. Gum, uh, in the pick'em fight, Gumby has Knight. I have Prochnios. So I, I kind of uh, is fitting since it's pretty much a pick'em fight. Uh, we both have Miller as a dog, so we're in on some dogs here, which which will be fun. All right, speaking of dogs, we're not done. We got locks, dogs, and prop plays coming your way. Um, whose turn is is it? My turn to start on locks, or is it your turn to start on locks? Uh, I think it's Remember? your turn. I think it's your turn to start on locks. Okay, I forgot we were even doing this. Let me see what my lock is. Um, <laughs> he, it's. I'm so sure about all my picks on this card. As I said last episode, it, it'll be easy to pick uh, a lock here. Um, give me hmm, which line is better. Barely. All right. Onga. Uh, minus 290. It's it's a ugly line, but he's fighting Jordan Wright, everybody. Come on. Yeah, I was tempted to do that one. I'm going to do one I feel a little bit more comfortable with that I don't think is all that much worse, which I think is the one you were just debating between. I'll take Clayton Carpenter over Ronderos. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I could tell by you being like, which one's the better line? <laughs> and it is by uh, just five. So, yeah, like kind of chalky locks this week. Negative uh, 290, negative 295. But like. A lot of these close fights are like weird light heavyweight fights. And and if we're really being honest with a lock here, uh, the, the locks are those guys. Yep. Um. All right. Dog. Give me Jim Miller plus 190. Bingo. Me too. Yeah. All right. Like uh, uh, of the dogs on this one. And, and I do like Garimbo and I do like, uh, you know, Blanchfield. But like, like we said, there's so many questions about Blanchfield in Hey, uh, I can't believe Jim Miller is a two to one dog here. That's not. Yes. Yeah, like uh, ignore his age and his experience. So look at his actual recent resume. And but but hey, we'll, we shall take it. All right, um, props. What can I get for Pounga via knockout? Is that you, you love do- doubling down, huh? Sure. Um, Pounga via knockout is negative one fifty. Negative one fifty. Yeah, I see. Some, I hear some hesitation in your voice. Yeah, because it's not that low. It's not that great, but. Do I have anything better? Um, do you want me to? Do you want me to pick mine and you can? Yeah, stall? sure. You pick yours. Go ahead. Because I, I have kind of a big one that I'm I'm in on for my prep this week. I'm gonna take uh, Nazim Sadikov by knockout. Okay. Uh, you know, I I mentioned I, I wasn't super enthused by Sadikov at negative 185 because you know I think there's a chance Evan Elder comes in there and he wrestles a little bit and he he goes for that part of his game. If Sadikov does win, I think he probably just destroys Elder on the feet. And if that's the case, the number on Sadikov, like I said, for the money line is negative 185, but the KO prop is plus 235. Nice. Um, so you're you're basically turning around, you know, a two to one favorite and making him a bigger than two to one dog, uh, which is pretty uncommon. So, uh, you know, kind of a bomber for me there, but I, I, I like Sadikov by KO. What is Pogues via KO? I may like that one better. Pogues by KO is plus 245. All right, give me that. What do you think of that pick? Uh, I love it quite a bit because if you look at my Hungry Man Jog Parlay, you oh, might find... Here we go. Go ahead. You might find Pogues via KO. Uh, right, yeah, so, yeah, I also liked uh, Jamal Pogues by KO as my Hungry Man Jog Parlay prom. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it's going to be that high. Because if you go back and you look at his like regional record, he didn't finish a lot of people. But I think like with the change in training and the fact that he's working at the Performance Institute and he's working out the right part of his game and it's at heavyweight, Josh Parisian sucks at striking. Like I think the knockout's going to be there. Um, so I like Jamal Pogues by KO. That one's like you said, is plus 245. 
And then another one that I'm going to squeeze in there to make the Hungry Man Jong parlay is I like Clayton Carpenter by knockout, too. Uh, I mentioned before Ronderos's best attributes are his grappling. Um, I don't think his grappling's all that good. I think Carpenter could beat him there, too. But Carpenter's got a bunch of head kick knockouts. I think another one's coming in a second. Plus 240 for Carpenter by knockout, mm. um, which, which seems really juicy. Uh, so when you put that in Pogues' KO together, uh, you're going to get a return of 1073. I will also just quickly mention the last time we did two KO props together, uh, we cashed a 1540 prop. Uh, with Woo-hoo. with uh, Billy Quarantillo and Chris Curtis. So this is the first time we've done double KO since then. So maybe it's a good week to get in on the Hungry Man John. Uh, it's always a good week for that. It's always worth your while to throw a few shuckles on that. All right, we'll uh, recap. Gumby, Locke, Carpenter. My lock is Pounga. Gumby, Underdog, Miller, as is mine. And Gumby's prop is Sadikov via knockout. Or TKL plus 235 minus Pogues knockout slash TKL plus 245 and Hungry Man Jog, Pogues KO and Carpenter KO, right? That sounds right to me. That sounds winning to me. All right. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed that. And usually, when we think fight cards are crappy, they end up being fun to watch. So, uh, may not be really super meaningful other than the main event, but it'll still be fun. So make sure you watch it and get in the discord and discuss it with us or make fun of the fighters that are, uh, how bad some of them are. We're at uh sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash discord, uh, Twitter, SGPN MMA. That's more your speed. Uh, Gumby Vreeland and Jeff Fox writer. They're the three accounts you need to follow. Gumby's top turtle MMA podcast. Apparently is in our feeds right now. If you subscribe, so make sure you listen to that. Make sure you subscribe and enter my pick'em contest at moneymma.substack.com and read all their stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Sound good? I think you hit it all. Great. It's all it's all over to you, Gumby. All right, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He's the elbow queen, Jeff Fox. And we will see you on Sunday.